This is Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the familiar, but not often talked about, deep-rooted emotional experiences that successful females have when setting up their businesses, and we learn how they overcame them. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson, and I'm very happy to welcome to today's show, Samantha Lee. Welcome, Sam, and thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Leslie. Thanks so much for having me. Super excited to chat with you today. Sam is the CEO and co-founder of Meili Technologies, where she is fighting for autonomy and mobility for underserved communities. After studying electrical engineering at Princeton, computer science at Cornell, and working as a data scientist for five years in industry, Sam's expertise lends itself well to creating such a technology-focused product and pushing the envelope of innovation. Sam, I wonder if you would share with our listeners a bit about your entrepreneurial journey, sort of talking a bit about your dad and, and the experiences the two of you shared around technology growing up. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I grew up in rural Florida, uh, about 30 minutes away from the nearest convenience store. And my dad had pretty severe epilepsy. Um, he had an episode probably every week or so. And so as a result, he actually lost his driver's license. Given how remote it was, there wasn't really any public transportation. So this meant he had to lean on his family a lot for, like, again, going to the grocery store, even just getting to work. This took quite a, a toll on him, and he was a computer scientist, so he and I used to daydream a lot about like what autonomous cars could do and like technology in general to help him be able to drive again. And so I was working in ad tech for five years, uh, and I really loved it. I thought it was really interesting. It's a very complex ecosystem, but I realized I wasn't exactly like passionate about advertising. And so after those five years, I did a bit of soul searching, and that's what led me to go to grad school and really just want to decide what really mattered to me. And I was thinking back to all of those conversations with my dad and really just thinking like this, this is what I want to do. This is like the mark I want to leave on the world. So I joined the computer science master's program of Cornell, which uh, was very entrepreneurship focused as well. And so came in with this idea of, building a system for autonomous cars originally uh, for detecting medical emergencies uh, so that the car can reroute to the hospital when necessary. Tell me a little bit about your business just to let our audience know where you're at in terms of um, with pre-revenue, etc. So we're definitely still pre-revenue. We've pivoted quite a lot. We started out being hardware in autonomous cars and now we are software in everyday cars. The autonomous car industry is building at a very rapid pace and like it's, you're seeing some really cool stuff coming out like uh, i think waymo just came to start doing some testing in new york city which is awesome but it is a little ways out and we realized that Melee could help people today and so we are building out uh deep learning models for actually doing that medical emergency detection using sensors already available in the vehicle so these are like the driver monitoring systems um, that might tell you when you're getting sleepy and you should get a cup of coffee uh, so those exist today, uh, and we can exist on top of that. Mm-hmm. But we are we are pre-revenue, doing a lot of product market fit right now, really just like, yeah, building these models. You've had a long history of going outside the mold to find ways to do things that you want to do, even if it's not clear how to do them. 
And I'm thinking about you wanting to study marine biology and computer science in high school, but found that these courses weren't offered. Where, what is this fierce independence about, do you think? Honestly, I think a lot of it was growing up in an area that really didn't expect me to do much, and I was never happy with that. And so I often had people saying like, oh, you don't have to work that hard or things like that and didn't really expect me to like achieve much. It was always like someone else would achieve it for me kind of thing. And like it's how a lot of the women uh, were often treated. And I think some girls still see that these days. But for me, I was very frustrated with that all the time. And partially I looked up to my mom, who was a computer scientist in the 80s. So I was like, well, she's doing it, so I could have do it too. And I think having that role model and also like some of my teachers as role models um, really saying like, hey, if you like this, go do it. It almost made me push back harder against when things weren't available or when people would say like, oh, you, you can't do this. Like the class isn't available. I'd be like, oh, but it's available online, so I can go do that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and just trying to like find a way constantly to make it work. So you're also a woman who listens to 60 podcasts while she drives across the country to attend (laughs) grad school. (laughs) Learning can be exhausting, though, right? Being independent can be tiring. Yeah, I think that's something I've learned over the years is that I really need to give myself that time to relax. And I've, I've kind of found that with camping and like ditching my phone completely. It's funny, if you see my phone, I have almost no apps on it whatsoever, and I turn off all notifications and often will turn it off and just leave it at home so that nobody can bother me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think being unplugged is just as important as being plugged in. And especially if you're working uh, so many hours as you have to do and you're an entrepreneur, like taking that time to yourself is so important. Do you have any idea where you learned this, where you learned to kind of stop and slow down? I remember you mentioned about you had a medical... Uh, procedure for your jaw at a certain point? Yeah, I found out that my, just the structure of my jaw was such that if I didn't have uh, like both jaw surgery, um, then I would basically start losing teeth by 40 uh, because it would actually mess with the structural integrity of my teeth. And so I had to have jaw surgery where they moved my bottom jaw back and to the side of it and then my top jaw forward. And this was about like a six-month recovery where the first month I basically couldn't, um, like the first two weeks I was on full liquid diet. I couldn't chew. I couldn't talk. Those first two weeks my mouth was wired shut. I couldn't speak at all. And it was really a lot of like, okay, I'm tired and I really can't work right now. It's important for me to rest so that I can work again later. It was very humbling, I think, Mm -hmm. to the point where, yeah, like when I could speak, I almost was like, so used to not speaking. It was mm-hmm. weird. So it, it you had to be slowed down to slow down. Yeah. And are you able, thanks to camping maybe now, that and not having apps on your telephone, you're more able to be quiet than maybe pre-jaw surgery? Absolutely. Um, I'm actually planning another two-week road trip. I'm going to drive out to Denver. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's my new favorite thing. No, I mean, taking two weeks, which seems like a long time, out of like the year when I'm not really taking that time any other time. It's just, yeah, I found it's just something I need and it's able to meet that need. 
you found out early in your career while studying electrical engineering that you wanted to work on things that had application, work on things that you could have an impact on over a very slow process. Why do you think this is important to you? I think there's often a lot of things that people work on where they don't think about the why. And I guess I saw that very early on in my career uh, where I was actually working as a data analyst for a little bit. And people would ask for dashboards and visualizations, not knowing why they needed them or what they would be used for. And so we'd spend a lot of time making something, but then it would never be used or it would never fit what they needed. And so I think I've, I learned very quickly, like, you have to always ask about why you're doing something. And we have very limited time on this earth. If we spend our time just doing work without knowing why, what's the point? How do you manage risk? Risk? Yeah, it's, there's always risk, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I mean, there's a quote that I really like that I came across recently, and I think that's, that's helped me a lot, even just for being willing to take the risk, because I tend to be a little more conservative with risk, but you really can't be that way with a business. You have to take risk if you're going to succeed. Catherine Cook said, like, if you're not making mistakes, you're not making decisions. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's accepting that, yeah, you're going to mess up. That's part of learning, and that's okay. And you're going to make a better leader, a better engineer, a better person by learning and taking those risks. Do do you think that has something to do with why it's okay to work on things that could have an impact over a slow process so you're able to plan? Absolutely. Like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen right now is that I, like, the business doesn't take off and all this time didn't lead to a business? I mean, I still learned a lot and, like, it's better to try and not have it work than to never try at all and always think about, like, oh, what if I'd done it? The amount of positive like, influence this would have on people's lives to enable being able to travel more freely, live wherever they want because they don't have to rely on public transportation, that's, that's worth that risk. That's worth that long-term goal, even if we don't do that. And, and that really gives you the motivation and determination to do what you're doing, it sounds like. Absolutely. I mean, as I work on this, more and more people tell me their stories. Um, like this one guy the other day was telling me that his epilepsy is completely controlled, like he's legally allowed to drive, but he doesn't feel like he can because he once had a crash driving on the highway in L.A. because he had a breakthrough seizure and that terrified mm. Growing up, did you feel like you fit in? I never felt like an outcast necessarily, but I definitely felt like kind of a little bit of what I talked about before of People are always asking me, but like, why are you doing all of this? Like, why are you working so hard? Like, does it matter? Like, yeah, I think I always wanted more and people never quite understood that. I think because I was always questioning a lot of things. So yeah, a little bit. I know we talked about that sometimes you can be stubborn. <laughs> and that, that can be a good thing because it forces you to really buckle down and learn things and work through difficult projects. But it can also make it easy not to ask for help. Have you you had any experience with that? All the time. (laughs) All the time. Okay. This is a constant battle for me of being like, oh, but I can do it. Or feeling like I'm a burden if I ask for help. Like, Like people wouldn't want to help me or that like by asking them, I'm putting them out of their way. And... I don't remember exactly where it came from, but someone explained to me a while ago that like by not accepting help, by like straight up refusing help, like let alone asking for help, I'm taking somebody else's opportunity to feel helpful away from them. And I 
like thinking about it in that case where I'm like, wow, though that is kind of selfish because I also do like to help people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's exactly what I'm doing with this company. It sounds like it also may have something to do with with feeling like you're underestimated as a woman. Yeah, for sure. Why ask for help? Then people are going to think you don't know what you're doing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think there's this weird thing in society now where women are expected to have it all, but it's so hard to have it all. And mm-hmm. so you always feel like you have to do everything to prove to yourself and everyone else that you can do it all. And how do you how do you address that when you're in meetings, which I presume are sometimes mostly male? <laughs> very much mostly male yeah i am uh, doing deep learning in the automotive industry there's a lot of men <laughs> i guess so yes <laughs> honestly i've i've had to do a lot of soul searching a lot of talking to women i admire who have been through similar paths a lot of like good heart to hearts with other founders especially other female founders and what they've dealt with and being like that's ridiculous that should never have happened to you and being like oh i should feel that way about myself too and i think part of it also is like my personality is I just have to feel prepared. And so I just over prepare a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I can get the confidence to really feel like I know what I'm talking about and be able to hold my own in the meetings. Well, and part of being able to prepare and prepare to the point that you feel confident is that you you have to be less scared about trying, right? Always. <laughs> So that, you know, and we see that all the way back to figuring out how to take computer science and marine biology. That, yeah. You know, you, you had a plan to do it. Again, it's, I think the whole thing of making mistakes, you don't know what you want to do unless you try a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what's going to be effective unless you try it. And so right. you got to go for it, commit to what you know and what you believe and see where the cards fall. On some days, I imagine, you can feel overwhelmed by all that you have to do or think you have to do. And how have you learned to overcome this or at least work through it? (laughs) I am a very type A person who needs to be incredibly organized and break down problems. I think the big stuff is what tends to scare me and thinking about all the things that need to be done to meet the big things. And so in order to not feel overwhelmed, I have like three different planners (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I use. One's like a weekly planner, one's a habit tracker, and one's a daily planner where I just mm-hmm. cover what I want to accomplish that week and I reflect on what worked, what didn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't make sure to build in time for myself because that overwhelm only gets worse if you don't sleep or eat. And so you really need that time too. Breaking down that problem has always helped a lot for me and just making it bite-sized and showing like a little bit every day. I think that's also something that that drive across the country really taught me because It was super intimidating. I'd never honestly been camping on my own and I hadn't been camping since I was a kid. And then I decided to rent a camper van, which is like glamping, but still. And I just drove across the country in 15 days and only stayed at national parks. I had non-perishable food, so I didn't have to stop for food anywhere and just didn't see anybody. Everyone was like, that's a long time to be on your own. Like, aren't you scared that like you're going to get attacked or whatnot? Everyone was worried about my safety. And it was like, one of those things where I was like, well, let's just see how it goes. And then it was like, one day would happen, I'd get to the next park, the next day would happen, I'd get to the next park, I'd see these amazing, wonderful things. And next thing I knew, I'd made it across the country. Like, how about loneliness? Does it ever, did it ever come up during the trip? The loneliness, I think, for me, was less when I'm on my own, and more when I feel like I don't have the resources of like other people's like 
support or understanding. For instance, with the startup, finding other people who've been through similar things or who root me on rather than try and tell me like, oh, that's really big. Like you shouldn't bother with that. Just go work for a few years and you'll be fine. Like finding people who understand all of it, that is what fights loneliness best for me. Being alone doesn't really make me lonely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Asking for help is hard. For sure. (laughs) Easier as you go on in your entrepreneurial process. It's an ongoing process. <laughs> it's one of those things where like I was talking about before with asking for help, like I almost being selfish by not letting other people help me. But at the same time, it's one of those things that's so ingrained in me that I've lived with for so long that it's just it's constantly having to remind myself. And I think that's also where the planning helps because I can be like, this is a lot of things. Do I need to do all these things? Where can I actually add value and what do I not need to do? And you're more able to figure out where you can, as you go along, where you can add value. It's easier to put your foot down and say, this doesn't, this is not worth my time. For sure. I mean. And how did you learn how to, to, to be aware of that? (laughs) Definitely by doing it and seeing that it didn't work or didn't do it as Mm -hmm. much. Yeah. You can plan as much as you want. I think it was like Winston Churchill or something who said planning is everything, but also it's nothing or whatnot, like, Mm -hmm. or also rubbish or something like that. Because you can plan, but ultimately, like, until you start doing it, everything's going to change. And your type A personality allows things to change? I make the outlines, and then I try to adhere to them. I used to be a lot harder on myself when I couldn't, but over time, I've really just had to accept that it will happen, and it's okay, and it doesn't need to happen on one day. Again, it's just the the piecemeal progress is what's important, and that also that you're enjoying it. Right. And not driving yourself to the point of exhaustion. Right. Which is, I think when you're so passionate about something, to start a company is really easy to do. And you clearly have passion for what you're doing also thanks to the shared relationship experience you had with your father. So you have that driving you. For sure. He passed away when I was 19. So to some extent, this is almost closure for me. And Mm -hmm. it's important to not lose yourself when you feel that motivated for something. Absolutely. Anything you can t- tell our listeners a little bit about how to get through the tough days when you feel like you don't have what it has, just sort of as our last closing question, when people have the uh, imposter syndrome, when they're underestimated, I don't know, for a woman or for being in data science? I guess two bits of advice. First of all, yeah, it's terrifying and it's scary and there's a ton of uncertainty, but everything worth doing in life is a little scary before you start doing it. Mm-hmm. Once you start doing it and you get in the weeds, it's not so bad. And you also see the amazing things that happen. And if you mm-hmm. give that up, you won't see that amazing stuff. But there's also just surround yourself with people who root for you. Like everyone kind of has to work through their own things, right? And a lot of people can project their own insecurities on you. And that's not something you have time for when you're a founder. You really have to surround yourself with people who understand, who really root for you, who push you forward instead of trying to hold you back. It's just Mm -hmm. so key to keep moving. I think it's a really great place to end. I think it is important to find the right group of motivating people around you, for sure. And some people don't sort of aren't able to do that until they slow down enough to sit and ask for help, right? To reach out. For sure. Asking for help is a great way to know who's really in your corner or not. (laughs) Right. Right. Absolutely. Sam, thank you so much for taking the time out to be with me here today. I really appreciate it. If you could let our listeners know 
if they wanted to find out more about you, where can they go look for you on the internet? Absolutely. Our website is meilitechnologies.com, where Meili is spelled M-E-I-L-I. Also, feel free to email me, uh, sam at meilitechnologies.com. Yeah, feel free to ask any questions or even ask for that moral support of like, hey, this is rough. And That's we great. That's nice. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thanks again, Sam. Have a great rest of the week. You as well. Thanks, Leslie. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.